Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If there's one common thread, it might be that men perceive church as too feminine. We have to be aggressive in the world when it's appropriate. We are warriors. One, two, three. Warriors! You are a real man when you commit to study God's word and you commit to being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the biblical perspective on being a man. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The debate has ended. This is Wretched Radio, courtesy of Reverend, where did he get his theological credentials? The Reverend Al Sharpton speaking on MSNBC. Oh, they fit like a hand in a glove. Talking about the issue of the importance of the Democrats retaining black voters, because remember, everything in the world now is segregated. So glad we've regressed so far. The reverend giving advice to the Democratic Party, how you can keep their vote and how we can reposition the abortion issue so that people don't think they're actually involved in the taking of an innocent human being's Life. The Reverend L. Sharpton using some semantic tricks which are being employed constantly these days. Change definitions. Change the change the issue by changing the consequences. And you're going to hear that with the Reverend L. Sharpton. And this is a tactic that is being constantly used as a weapon. I think that they must message it in a way that it is about choice. It's not about saying I'm voting that I support abortion or not. Catch that. You see, if you are pro-life, you're taking away somebody's choice. Seems to me we've got ourselves another Martin Bailey here. Hey, do you want people to have choices? Yeah, that's that sounds good. That choice is good. Therefore, abortion should be legal. Hold on a second. That's not what I agreed to. Well, don't you want people to have a choice? Yeah, but not with everything that is immoral. But that is precisely what the reverend. Where does he get his theological credentials anyway, Jimmy? Did, uh, uh, was, was it Covenant Seminary that he went to? No. It the was. Master Seminary. <laughs> no. Southern, uh, some sort of Southern Baptist Seminary. No, but he was ordained at the age of nine. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend, Reverend Sharpton using the old Martin Bailey to do a switcheroo. And please note this. This is a part, the argument that the Reverend is putting forth is the psychologized society that we are living in applied. You can't do or believe something that makes somebody feel bad. If you do that, you're mean. It's about I support people having the right to choose because we're not talking particularly in the black community. and, And I would say a large portion of the Latino community. You're not talking about whether or not people are going to be able to have an abortion. You're talking about whether they're going to have a safe abortion. Uh Uh-huh. Here we go. Get ready. They're going to trot out this absolutely discredited statistic. We always had abortions, but we had these back alley, very risky abortions. Wrong. Not accurate. 
not historically correct. Now, I'm doing this from memory, but I know for a fact it was under triple digits. When the Supreme Court was deciding this back in 73, this argument was toted out. There are thousands of women who died because they had to have an abortion and they didn't do it in the safety of a hospital or a medical facility that's clean. Not that Planned Parenthood cares about that these days. Therefore, we've got to legalize abortion. The number that I recall of the people who died prior to Roe v. Wade, and this isn't just the year prior, this is decades prior, was 36, 39. Then that's that's just a fact. Reverend L. Sharpton isn't so concerned about those. And we're saying that rather than have people in those situations, they should be able to choose whether or not they want to do, even if it's something that I don't believe in. The Bible, if you're using Here this as a religious argument, the Bible is about choice. <laughs> your eyeballs are going to pop out of your head in about one minute. <laughs> the Bible is about choice. Oh, okay. Um, Where do you get that from? Nine-year-old ordained reverend. You can go to heaven or hell. There's no way in the Bible said you had to go to heaven. So where do we get this theology of forcing something? Well, we could start with, I don't know, the first commandment given to human beings. Don't eat of that fruit. Then you can see all kinds of commands littered throughout the Bible, specifically Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, all kinds of commands that we are supposed to obey, not the least of which would be the Ten Commandments, which says thou shalt not murder. The reverend, that sticks a little bit. Now I know what a craw is because I've got something stuck in it. The reverend contending that the Bible is all about choosing. Therefore, you get to choose to have an abortion. Duh. I I don't even know that we can possibly tear down that argument. It's so deep and profound. Let's just change the subject. You know, the Bible is all about choice. Rape. Rape is a, it's just a choice. Some people make it, other people don't. The Bible simply doesn't support any sort of prohibition on rape, other than the Bible saying, thou shalt not murder. When the reality is that you can't even biblically base that, it's a question of choice. Get ready for this. This is a semantic switcheroo. The issue is not about the taking of an innocent human being's life. No, no. It's about whether or not a human gets to choose. How can you possibly deny somebody the choice? After all, the Bible is all about choice. If you are a minister as I am, you can preach to people to convert them. You do not make laws to compel them. No, we don't ever do that. We don't ever make laws. We don't have any opinions about anything. So you're okay with somebody, I don't know, putting crack in their eyeball. Can you put, Jimmy, you know about this stuff. <laughs> Can you put crack in your eyeball? I have no don't, idea. Don't want to sure. judge. After Somebody has to have the choice. The Bible supports putting crack in your eyeball because the Bible is all about choice. 
utter nonsense. But I suspect if the reverend is toting out this argument, we're going to be hearing it more and more. And please note, this is happening in pretty much every moral realm of culture. Change the issue. Mott and Bailey it. And you find yourself being very liked because you are all about giving the bigger person the right over the smaller person, which is exactly what abortion is. Bullying. And speaking of the life issue, (laughs) it's horrible anywhere, but in my home state of Minnesota. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was going to let Jimmy, it go. did that have a little tinge to it? <laughs> it did, Minnesota. It's the craziest thing. I talk like this, and then I say Minnesota, and it just <laughs> comes out like that. Five babies born alive after abortions. I don't know if you saw the video that we put up. Well, we put it up recently, and we found, oh, I know. It was about the autonomous self. The, the 15 ways the autonomous self manifests itself these days. One of which is, for instance, texting and driving. I I don't care about anybody but me. So I'm going to risk your life by sending this emoji. And the list went on and on and on. But we had the abortion issue as one of them. And you heard it just you just heard it from the reverend, didn't you? An individual. That's paramount. Therefore, if that person does not have the ability to choose we're being bullies it was the former governor of nordham northam do you remember jimmy the the former governor of virginia something like that wasn't it yes nordham yes he was talking it was so ghoulish it was staggering talking about how we treat children who are on the chopping block of abortion and how we deal with them as they lie there dying. It was as ghoulish as anything Dr. Mengele would have dreamt up. 159 abortions took place between 21 to 24 weeks of gestation. That's five to six months. One abortion was said to have been between 25 and 30 weeks gestation. In 2015, Minnesota enacted Born Alive Infant Protection Act. Infants a lot born alive as the result of an abortion, are to be fully recognized as a human person. Apparently, not every doctor got that message. Five babies were born alive after abortions, and they were not tended to by a physician. Ghoulish. And the only way that you can possibly make the case is by concocting a semantic switcheroo, which is exactly what Al Sharpton has done, long as we're on the subject, don't forget about our good friends at Preborn. Ultrasounds, $28. A woman, 80% of the time, chooses life. Please, especially now when, you know, the abortion centers, or the life centers, rather, are being firebombed. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. This is Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur Study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so 
helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Have you ever wanted to break bread with Todd? If so, you probably shouldn't. The guy's used with his mouth open. But let me tell you about our newest production here at Wretched. It's called Breaking Bread, and Todd sits down with a special guest each quarter to discuss pertinent issues Christians are facing. Guests like Phil Johnson, Daryl Harrison, Steve Lawson, Justin Peters, Ray Comfort, Tim Challies, and others. Those guys were selfless, and they sacrificed themselves for you. They sat down and broke bread with Todd, so you don't have to. You'll be able to view a brand new Breaking Bread each quarter totally free on the Wretched YouTube channel. Hear topics like racism, aging and dying well, shepherding a child's heart, the fear of evangelism, how not to be a discernment jerk, and more were all discussed on Breaking Bread, which is another production made possible by our gospel partners. To learn more about becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner, just visit wretched.org slash donate. And to learn more about Breaking Bread, visit wretched.org slash breaking bread. Hey, isn't this... Groovy. Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering free loving Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched know your church fathers gregory of nazianzus was the bishop of constantinople in the fourth century he wrote important works on the trinity and the person of christ Gregory described the relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and taught that Jesus is fully God and fully man. His arguments are still in use today. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Church News! Using the term loosely, some good, some not so good. This is Wretched Radio. Can you think of a better way for your children to worship the Lord when you send your kid to a private institution than? Drag Queen Chapel. That's right. 
Those words you thought would never go together, but now they do. It's a Roman Catholic church in Manhattan. Grace, ironically, Grace High School in Manhattan celebrating their sixth pride chapel. Sixth. With drag queen Britta Filter. What? <laughs> Jimmy, wait a second. Pure water. Pure, pure water. <laughs> Britta Filter. Why not Q-tip? That's <laughs> next. <laughs> Knife and fork, whatever. Britta, Britta Filter are doing a performance. Who, by the way, this, this chapel service, they did it right. I mean, if you're going to do a drag queen story hour, you need to have a professional. This person, I think, what came in like 12th place on RuPaul's drag hour queen thing fiesta no amateurs no amateurs at this at this chapel service now here's the report that when the kids were leaving the chapel totally desecrated when they were leaving the chapel they were handed a bumper sticker that promoted transgenderism and said if you don't take one you're homophobic oh what a nice weapon the world is using on us these days this is the psychologized self that is being the we've we've really morphed from postmodernism into a new arena which by the way has been brewing for a long time it's an amalgamation of bad philosophies but it used to be like a month ago where if you wanted to define truth for yourself you could based on how you think if that's what you think, that's what reality is. We've advanced past that. Feelings now lead and define what is true. Not what I think, not reason, not logic. Instead, how I feel about society. And you can thank an awful lot of really bad secular philosophies for helping us to get to this point where if you are offended by what somebody says, what that person says must be untrue. Did you catch that? If something is hurtful, if it makes you feel bad, then whatever it is that has caused you to not love yourself and be totally free to be yourself is false. See what we did there? And in this particular situation, it looks like that is the ideology that is being used to conform people into a regressive secular humanist mindset. You either conform, celebrate, and put a bumper sticker on your car, or you're making somebody feel bad. And we all know that if you do that, you're the bad person. That's the world that we're living in today. Good news, the Christian Reformed Church. Are you familiar with this? I would I have to confess I wasn't, but it does it's it's based in Grand Rapids, so I did know about Calvin Seminary, Calvin University. Apparently, Calvin University is tiptoeing into progressivism whereas the seminary appears to be actually bending more to the right. Nevertheless, the Christian Reformed Church, which boasts about 200,000 members and 1,000 congregations, has bucked the trend. You know how it goes. Hey, denomination. So we were thinking that, look, I know the church has believed one way now for centuries, 
But we were just thinking maybe we should re-examine our thinking about the role of women. And isn't that the way that it always goes? And so what happens? A committee is formed. Off they go. And the next thing you know, you're an Episcopalian. You've just totally fallen away. And it's always a study that starts it. Well, the Christian Reformed Church kind of bucking that. Six years ago, a committee was appointed to wrestle through the church's stance on sexuality. (sighs) Crack open the door with a study, and then we go, look, this issue is just difficult. Then we've got so many Christians with different perspectives. Let's just give up on this issue and let churches do what... Now, we're not going to force churches to marry people, but we just have to let the study... It's, we're very disparate on this subject. A 175-page report in both English and Spanish. Uh, uh, 175 pages on the subject of sexuality. How deep of a dive did we need on this subject? Seems pretty straight. The perspicuity of Scripture, it's really quite clear. Nobody's been confused about this to date. Nevertheless... They clarified and upheld the Christian Reformed Church's historical teaching. Three cheers for the Christian Reformed Church. I say, huh, that's odd. Yeah, just took six years in a study, though. This is this, but this is a good thing. So let's just celebrate. The Christian Reformed Church voted 125 to 53. Okay, the 53 people, yikes, that's a danger, Will Robinson. If that number were closer, like, you know, within double digits, uh, like low double digits, uh uh-oh. But this is actually pretty good. The 53 people clearly are progressive. But 123 to 53, to affirm that unchastity in the Heidelberg Catechism includes adultery, premarital sex, extramarital sex, polyamory, pornography, and... homosexual sex. The move wasn't just can we can we say that Jimmy or is that stigmatizing? The move? Cuz we well no, just I the you know using language about a particular sexuality. Ah uh, yeah, probably it, not. Yeah, we probably don't. The CDC I believe said so. Did I understand this correctly with the who? With the World Health Organization deeming monkeypox as a like a potential, where is that? It's a, a public health emergency. Public health emergency. They did it. The Biden administration's now done it. Um, cool. The uh, I think San Francisco has done it and New York has done yeah, it. But you can still have your kink and whatever festival. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. Denny Burke, here it is, the director general of the WHO overruled a panel of advisors to get this done, a panel that remains divided whether monkeypox is an emergency. The director general explained, we have an outbreak that is spread around the world rapidly through new modes of transmission about which we understand too little and which meets the criteria for a public health emergency. My understanding is the last time I read the number, there were 6,000 cases, I believe, globally regardless we'll work with the 6000 in america is that is that just in the states jimmy uh well the last time i looked it was 2500 in the states it was 16000 globally but that's 0.0002% I, that's exactly <laughs> right why are we even having to know about these things this is from denny burke eh, i don't even want to read that 
Um, this raises it's too. Yeah. This raises an obvious question. If promiscuous homosexual immorality is driving this plague, where are the public health mandates to end promiscuous sexual immorality? <laughs> health authorities are insisting that there should be no stigma attached to this activity. Wow. When you are so ideological that you don't actually care about the health of people, you are really exhibiting a darkened mind. This is... This is this is a reminder, you're just not going to reason with people. You're just not. We need to be preaching the gospel. We need to be using the Bible. We need to be applying scripture, which is a two-edged sword, which is what somebody needs before they can think rightly. Why? Because you must be believing rightly in order to think rightly. Nevertheless, a salute at least to the Grand Rapids-based denomination for at least standing up for now to the progressive movement inside of it. This is, this is I got to tell you, this is actually encouraging. By the way, they also had a Latino-drafted statement, basically the same thing, the Korean Council of the Christian Reformed Church, all holding the line. <sighs> It can happen. And speaking of the Southern Baptists, uh, they just had a report on defining what a pastor is. Who, Jimmy, yeah. um, maybe you could help me. What is a dog? A dog. I mean, it's, it's an animal. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a dog. It's a, what is a woman? What is a pastor? I, I thought we knew the answer to that question, but at least now the committee has affirmed a pastor is actually a pastor. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. And we start this week with news that could be good news, or it could be some type of gender oppression. It'll be up to you to decide just how to decipher. A new law may soon pass in Germany that would allow citizens to change their gender and their first name once a year. Now, is that good progressively progressive progression or is it bad oppressively oppressive oppression? You'll have to decide what you think it is because the question I have is why not allow people to change it as often as they want? And after a long five-year legal battle, the Christian flag was raised last week outside of Boston's City Hall. The battle started in 2017, and in May of this year, the United States Supreme Court ordered that the city fly the flag. The Supreme Court also allowed Boston to change their policy going forward, which now says any group wishing to fly their flag outside of Boston City Hall must first have a mayor's proclamation. But that doesn't apply to the Christian flag, which is grandfathered in and doesn't fall into that category. Well, if you haven't seen the news yet, Russell Moore, the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention's ERLC, has been named the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today and will assume the role on September 1st. Currently, Moore serves as Christianity Today's public theologian director of the Public Theology Project. So wherever you fall on the Russell Moore spectrum, congratulations or condolences may be in order to Christianity Today. 
Last week, following the WHO and the city of San Francisco and the city of New York, the Biden administration named monkeypox a public health emergency, a condition that affects 0.0002% of the American population and is only transmitted through homosexual relations, is somehow enough to be considered an emergency. Probably because there's an election coming up soon. And in eastern Uganda, Muslim extremists have been charged with killing a Christian evangelist at his home. The group stormed the man's home in an attack that left his head and his neck with deep wounds while his wife and four children hid in another room of the home. He was just 45 years old. And as we tell you frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you are fervently praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1206. Francis of Assisi renounces wealth and goes on to lead a band of poor friars preaching the simple life. The 13th century saw the rise of a number of monastic orders dedicated to simple living and social engagement. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Church news continues. Don't know why I'm talking like this. No, I don't smoke. This is a Wretched Radio with a church news headline that is compelling, and I think we do well to perhaps digest what this campus ministry is doing to try to reach people at universities. We just need to do it very, very carefully. Remember, the gospel states that Jesus Christ died for sinners. That's the gospel. However, there are fruits. There are bennies that come with that. There are implications because of the good news that Jesus died for sinners that our thinking can get corrected. Our emotions can be stabilized. We can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. All of those fruits, they are indeed available because of the gospel, but those fruits aren't the gospel. And if we aren't careful, we can use the fruits as a draw card to lure people in. And when we do that, people received neither the gifts nor the giver. Here's the headline. Want to reach Gen Z? Start with mental health. Okay, I'm 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 in because this generation that has followed most of us, actually two generations now, they're struggling and they're hurting a lot. And I can't help but think social media ain't helping that cliff note aside footnote, I guess would be foot. Well, Cliff has feet, so I wasn't wrong (laughs) because talk show hosts are never, ever wrong. We want to make sure that we identify what is going on with the youth 
and determine, okay, if that's the way they're thinking, if that's where they're at, how might I be able to use that to get to the gospel? And I think we should. I found this article rather interesting. A new study on student mental health from Springtide Research Institute found that 42% of middle and high end college students say they felt depressed most or all the time. Over the last two weeks, while 49% say they've talked to a mental health professional in the last three months. So let's just, for easy math, say half of, the, half of students are either depressed most or all of the time. Whoa, we got a lot of kids that are hurting, and this should make perfect sense to us because a society that doesn't have its bearings straight is going to go radically and wildly off course, not just with morality issues, but with thinking issues and with believing issues and with feeling issues. And we have read statistic after statistic that indicate this is indeed a depressed society. So here's what this youth minister suggested. We focus on the fact that kids are valuable for who they are, not what they achieve. This ended up bringing us a lot of kids who feel rejected in one way or another from society because we were one of the only places they felt valuable. They also came with emotional trauma in many cases. So this is a campus ministry. They're trying to reach the kids and they're recognizing they're kind of broken in ways perhaps that previous generations were not. Now, I can't speak to how this campus ministry is doing it, but if we are indeed going to use this issue to talk to people as the segue from the physical into the spiritual realm, we just need to do it carefully and thoughtfully. We don't want to be saying, come to Jesus and you won't be depressed anymore. Now, does Jesus lift depression? Sure, of course he does. But is that the gospel? Should that be the hook that we use to bring people into the kingdom? And the answer is no. And this is also a word for churches that thankfully, have biblical counseling centers. I do believe that we should be advertising, hey, world, hey, community, if you're hurting, we've, we've got a fix for you. We know how to right what is wrong inside of your heart and mind, and we can use biblical counseling to bring people to church, not for Sunday service, but into a counseling room where step number one is, are you saved? By the way, speaking of which, Hold on a second. I received a letter from a lady who had been receiving biblical counseling, and she was just absolutely effusive about the success of it. Nah, I can't find it. It's in my... Jimmy, I did too much prep. Remind me. <laughs> can't find a thing in this. That's what happens. Mess. And she was she was just so grateful that she'd stumbled onto biblical counseling because it has profoundly affected her life. If you're a if you're a church that doesn't have a biblical counseling center, think about it. I'm telling you, the world is hurting. Back to our article from the Christian Post. It is very rare that a young person doesn't want us to be involved in their lives. Hmm. 
Hmm, is there any place where adults get involved in somebody's life? Besides the family, of course. Yeah, the local church. And I don't think these kids need whipped cream, pizza parties, and peanut butter armpits. I, I, I think they want somebody to go, hey, we care. We're actually interested in you. Perhaps you're used to just seeing the back of your parents' cell phone most of your life, but we actually care for you here. And we think that maybe if you'd stick around, not only could we help you, but you could help us. They're longing for that. That's another one of the slew of studies that we've seen. The Gen Z generation, they want to be doing something. They don't want this to just be kind of a little tack onto life. No, they want something that enhances life and brings us out of Ecclesiastes 1 through 11, recognizing vanity, vanity, all is vanity until you get to chapter 12, which is the summary of all things. You should be doing things unto the Lord. Those are the things that last for forever. Otherwise, you die and everybody just gets the stuff that you've collected. Let's recognize that we can be using mental health to talk to people, but let's just be careful that we don't cross that line into using mental health as a replacement for the gospel. And as long as we're talking about the whippersnappers, a national survey of family growth, big survey from the Centers for Disease Control, that would be your CDC, If you still trust them, one-third of evangelical girls aged 15 to 17 admitted to having um, uh, intimate relations. This compares to 22% of evangelical males at that age. That's 15 to 17. So younger people losing their virginity inside of evangelical churches. Yep. Mm -hmm. 22% male. One-third of evangelical girls. So more girls than boys? By ages 23 to 32, 83% of both unmarried evangelical males and females have engaged in intimate acts. Among all evangelical women, regardless of marital status, who have ever done that, 9% had begun by age 13. 18% by age 14, and 33% by age 15. The headline of this article from American Reformer is, What's Happening to Young Evangelical Women? What happened to our purity culture? Now, there was a lot of stuff that was not healthy about that movement. But we have moved, woo, have we not pendulum swung to the other side of the issue? 17% of evangelical women, 15 to 44, admitted to being intimate with another, brace yourself, female. Let me just repeat that for you. 17% of evangelical women aged 15 to 44 have done that. What? What is going on? It's up 13% from six years earlier. Why? Because of the sexual revolution, And this article goes on to speculate that a lot of men just aren't very worth it. (laughs) They're just busy with pornography and video games, and they don't really have much ambition. And so women are finding each other another reason to be involved in the lives of young people. For those 23 to 32, at least one in five had done that. 
Male percentages, about 5%. The vast majority of professed evangelical older teens and younger adults no longer believe that consensual heterosexual sex outside of marriage is always morally wrong. Whoa. What's happened to this generation? Well, we've amused them. We've tickled their ears. We've filled their bellies with cheap pizza. Only to discover, hey, maybe this whole seeker-sensitive methodology and youth group madness hasn't borne the fruits that we were hoping for. And maybe just maybe we return to being the church where we catechize young people, invest in their lives, and treat them with dignity. This is Wretched Radio. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local church it became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. So what do you get when you mix a group of Gen Z college students and a group of biblical experts together with 2,000-year-old questions? Well, of course, you get Road Trip to Truth. John Fabares has hit the road on a quest to find answers to life's biggest questions like environmentalism, social Darwinism, the deadly impact of pornography, and the dangers of agnosticism. Those are just a few of the topics covered in Season 2 of Road Trip to Truth, which is available now at roadtriptotruth.org. Season 1 is also available along with study guides for each season and a homeschool curriculum. Road Trip to Truth helps your children better understand questions from the world from a biblical perspective and it will help you learn how to witness more effectively to this generation. So grab your copy of Season 1 and 2 of Road Trip to Truth at roadtriptotruth.org. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Mexican. 
Pneumatology is a study of the Holy Spirit. Scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force or manifestation, and He is God, the third member of the Trinity. His work is not to provide emotional highs or show up in glory clouds or gold dust. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to the Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Lots of church news. And maybe a tip for you, you teacher. Radio, just thinking about the whippersnappers. If indeed half of young people, the Gen Z generation, was that redundant? If they are either mostly or always depressed, half of them. I'm not really good at math, but that means if you ask one out of every two of your students in youth group, how are you coping? How are you doing? Uh, How are you actually feeling? What are the emotions that you are going through when you are alone, when you're staring at your social media feed? How are you doing is a question that will half of the time elicit a not so good. And that means there's a huge opportunity for the church to suddenly become salty and to suddenly actually become super practical. And to become so helpful for young people, just an encouragement. If you are involved with youth, ask them how they're doing. I know it sounds simple. It maybe even sounds downright trite. But if we are dealing with a generation that half of whom are feeling bummed out, shouldn't the church express that concern? Now we know. Okay, we we know. It's an unhappy lot. Do we have anything that we might be able to offer that could actually bring them joy? Of course we do. If you're in youth ministry, please, please, please consider talking to your students, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's as a group. I think I'm going to try this. When I go out to the campus, the, the campuses are opening up. I wish it were a little cooler, but nevertheless, the campuses are opening up. I think this is, and I've done this before. Hey, can I talk to you on radio, TV? Sure. How are you feeling? How are you doing? Um, not so good. I've done it before. Hey, talk to me about depression and anxiety. Yeah, I've got that. It, your odds are really high that you're going to get somebody who struggles with this issue, and the kids in your youth group are not immune. Jimmy, yes. I've, got the, I've got the email from the, from the woman that was talking about biblical counseling and how helpful it can be. This is why more churches should actually have biblical counseling centers. Permit me to read. It's kind of lengthy, but I think you'll be encouraged by it. Hello, Todd. I just wanted to say thank you for talking all caps so much about biblical counseling. (laughs) You could have just stopped with so much. (laughs) There's a reason for it. 
it works. It really, really works. If you haven't seen our Transform TV series, and if you maybe don't have a congregation that is on fire for biblical counseling, get transformed. You can get it at wretched.org. It's in our store. It also has a study guide. You can start showing biblical counseling in your Sunday school. They're going to learn. You can use this in youth group. They are going to start to go, whoa, the Bible actually applies back to the email. I had gone through a Christian counseling, and at the time, I thought it was just what I needed. And while it did point me to Scripture occasionally, it only pointed me to the verses that affirmed God's love for me without ever addressing sin. Please note, not every biblical counseling situation is about sin. It, it isn't always. It can be somebody who's just misguided at the moment. They're confused right now. They need some discipling. They need to just kind of get their thinking a little bit more ordered. But many times it is a sin issue. And Christian counseling, while some may actually address it, biblical counseling definitely does. Because so often our bad emotions are, are connected to sins. In other words, anxiety and depression are a fruit, but there is a deeper root. Back to the email. This past fall, I was still feeling grief. I'll just leave it at that because I want to keep some of the details out of this for the sake of privacy and anger over what turned out to be, well, I'll share this, infertility. And this is an issue that many women deal with, and they do get angry or they do get sad about it. And I mean, sad, rightly so. It's, it, is a, it is a thing to grieve and to mourn, and nobody should make you feel bad about that. I started to exhibit signs of my same struggles. I told my husband I needed to see a counselor again, and he said, fine, whatever the cost. Well, good on him. It was at this time I began to hear about transformed and biblical counseling on wretched. So I looked up ACBC, that would be your Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and found there were actually trained counselees somewhat nearby. I wasn't hopeful that I'd find something near me, but I did. I've been meeting with my counselor for about six months now, and it has been one of the most one of the best decisions that I have ever made. Now that is encouraging. That's because the Bible has power, and that's why we need to be teaching the Bible, not just to students, but to adults, too. There is power in the Word. This is so worth reading. Through the, though the intense, sometimes, homework, I have been in, through, rather, the intense, and she writes, sometimes, homework. Homework is always, and sometimes it is intense. Because biblical counseling is, isn't see you next week. It's no, here's what you must be working on during the week in the context of your local church. I've been in the word and God has been revealing to me the sin that lurks behind my desires that's been coming and predominantly in my feelings. Some of the topics addressed in biblical counseling have been pride, anger, depression, anxiety, and a fear of man. Fear of man is so big these days. It's always existed, but social media has intensified people's concern that they're not going to add up to what their social media feed says they are supposed to be. The Word of God has been a mirror into my heart and has caused me to be brought low in repentance. 
But God has lifted me up in the joy of the gospel and given me the assurance that he has saved me. Now, as I walk through infertility, I do not feel anger or depression. I feel a sense of joy because without this struggle, I would not have gone through biblical counseling. God has shown me his word is sufficient. And so it is. Are we a hospital? We should be for for hurting people. Now, remember, a cre- biblical counseling has no power to heal somebody who is not already in submission to the Bible. In other words, if you're not saved, biblical counseling isn't going to help because biblical counseling isn't just about healing your wounds. It is about changing your heart and conforming you into the image of Jesus Christ, who was never sinfully angry, who was never sinfully depressed. Remember, it's okay sometimes to be sad, but if it is a faithless worrying, then it's a sin, and Jesus never did that. And we have a resource in the Bible to help people. Are you using it, youth leader? Jimmy, I also found this deal. Oh, you did? Yeah, I mentioned earlier the Southern Baptist Convention. Theologians clarify the meaning of pastor amid dispute over female ordination. Apparently, still haven't exactly figured out what to do with Saddleback Church for ordaining three women as pastors. <laughs> Very complicated, you yeah. see. The signatories are Albert Moeller. Southern Baptist Theological Sem President, President of the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, Chuck Kelly, I don't know him, and Richard Land, I've only met once, who served as the President of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission from 1988 to 2013. Wow, that was a long tenure. In keeping with the spirit of Baptist Faith and Message 2000, pastor means one who fulfills the pastoral office and carries out the pastor's functions. So if you give somebody the name pastor, which is the goal these days, you just you call somebody the children's pastor. It's a she, and you call it children's pastor. Uh-oh. Then they're doing the role and, and filling the office of pastor. And this particular recommendation, and Richard Land in particular, I read another one of his articles, said, call them ministers. That is fine in his estimation. But pastor means that we're violating 1 Timothy 2.12, which is really clear that only a man should hold the office of pastor, and putting an adjective in front of it doesn't change that reality. Article 6 of the Baptist Faith and Message states the scriptural offices are pastors and deacons that while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. Now the next challenge for the SBC is to answer the question, to what level does this issue rise? Oh, please, let there be another conservative Southern Baptist Convention resurgence. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.